I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on in Los Angeles. The Keech, Shumash, and Tongva people and pay our respects to their elders, both past and present. Salvador Dali threw a great party. We all drank Bacardi. It got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather. We're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder. We're weirder together. When the story of Weirder Together is finally written, I do believe this moment, sitting in these new chairs, will be a dividing line. It's very com- they're very comfortable. It feels like a new- it feels like we've gone pro. Yeah, we have. We're like Twitch streamers. I've never understood <laughs> Twitch streamers, but um can we talk about the idol? Oh, you want to talk about the idol? I mean, How are you feeling about if, it? Well, it's as if a like a 17-year-old wrote that script. Yeah, I mean, we gave it the benefit of the doubt because we were like, it's bold, it's audacious, let's give it a shot. I'm still in. It's like um, a 17-year-old boy wrote it or something, but you got like high production and really good, you know, actors. Yeah, I sort of, some of the dialogue that's going on about it, is it misogynistic? Is it this? Is it that? In some ways, I think that's giving it a little bit too much credit because its main flaw is that it's juvenile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things that are juvenile, it's almost like a fourth grader idolizing Andrew Tate. And it's, I don't take it ideologically very seriously because it's it's juvenile. But part of the appeal is the juvenile quality that were in films of the 80s and 90s, like not like Body Heat, but like not to live and die in LA, but all those movies that like Richard Shepard kind of loves and people love because they're sort of sort like, of like B genre films. Yeah, they're a little like, delusional, but you they hit sometimes. I mean, The Room is taking it like very far. And that. But wait, room. why is it like The Room? Why are you comparing? The well, I guess the just room? that's delusional. Oh, so just like a delusional, but the, singular-minded filmmaker, but with like yeah. high-end production, yeah. and so it can be quite delicious. But you know, there's someone who is like wanting to be a hard-boiled detective, and and they're like having a love story, or they accidentally see a murder and they're embroiled in something or yeah so there is something fun about you know the uh, offer not the offer the um what is this <laughs> called again the idol the, i keep getting confused because i think of uh that, the offer that was the one about the godfather no, i think of the idol like the um the the the, the, the reality show the american idol. idol yeah yeah so every time someone's like i want i think they're abbreviating the american idol I'm like but wait i don't want to watch the american idol and then i'm like oh no the idol so has, watch this, has watching The Idol reinforced your resistance to American Idol or has it made you hungry to sample that It makes me relieved, relieved that I'm not watching The American Idol and then I'm excited to try The Idol again. I mean, if nothing else, the show should be given credit for that. Yeah. So we had a great experience this weekend. We went to friend of the pod, Jason Walliner's house. Uh, Jason Walliner... You can go back. I'll do a link in the notes. He's the creator of a TV show called Paul T. Goldman, and we had him. I I do believe we might have been the first podcast 
uh, have him as guest promoting his show. One um, of the first. He had some people over to his house and he is, it's interesting because if you listen to our part interview, he talks about growing up the son of a magician. Oh, yeah. And that was so evident in the way he'd uh, constructed this experience in his house. The son of a magician man. I'm thinking of the son of a preacher man. Totally. You want to talk, well, tell me about it? the son of a magician man. <laughs> I just wanted to sing the son of a magician man into the tune of... Um, yeah, he... Oh, that house, him, it was so fun. The house reminded me of houses I used to hang out in the 70s in, like ramshackled mini compound in the lush parts of East Los Angeles where that when you're a kid it was just exciting like you there was like nature and then different little houses and on the property and kind of funky and all of that so we walk in we initially see Tom Sharpling yeah. and he's like amongst other things he's like you got to go down to the shack yeah. Around the back of the property. Yeah. And it was said with a certain intensity that was yeah, like, this was not an experience to be missed. Yeah. Like those people who recommend something, they don't even tell you like, just see this or watch that. And you don't even know the genre. Yeah. But the way they're saying it, you know, this is something. And so what did we do? We went down around these cool little, you know, mismatched steps that took us down into this garden. And then there's a shack and there's a sign on the shack that says come on in take a seat please speak only if you're speaking to the cowboy so we oh you first think the door is locked and then we walk around this other area and then i'm like no i think that's the that's where we go in so we walk in and it's like a garage and a small garage there's a fake fire and and cozy you know, cowboy blankets on the floor. And people sitting in sort of a little semicircle as if they're around a campfire. And I immediately recognize Derek Walters, Walters, who I'm obsessed with from Drunk History. I sit next to him and I'm dying a little bit excited. But mainly I look in front of me <laughs> and there's this mechanical, like the Abraham Lincoln in Disneyland that type of like thing. Like an animatronic robot. And he's got, clearly he's wearing Jason's clothes, but a little bit of a cowboy thing with a cowboy hat. And it looks like that, like you're sitting in one of those, you know, watching animatronic, but it's like in that Knott's Berry Farm way. It's not like perfect. It doesn't yeah. look like a real person. It looks like that animatronic. So and it, and it so seems that the group are engaged in conversation with this robot. all mesmerized, yeah. sitting down, giggling a and little. And there's like beautiful kind of acoustic guitar campfire. western. It's, it's like Red Dead Redemption. It feels hitting, like you've walked into yes, Red Dead Redemption. It's hitting all the, the familiar things of watching those animatronic things as a kid, but also new new and improved and not improved. It just was so fun. And, and what we realize is it's this character, this fellow's named Dale. Yep. And people are asking him questions. And so- Sitting uh, at his feet. So here, I've got a little clip of uh, us asking him a question. His name's Dale? Mm-hmm. What type of music do you like? Well, partner, when it comes to music, my taste is as varied as the colors of a desert sunset. I reckon I got a soft spot for those old cowboy ballads, the ones that tell tales of love lost, trails ridden, and dreams pursued. There's something about a melancholic melody and a heartfelt voice that stirs the soul. But I ain't one to shy away from a good old foot stomp and hoe down neither. The lively tunes that make you want to kick up dust. Spin your partner around and holler like there's no tomorrow. It's the rhythm of life. The soundtrack of joyful moments and good times shared. 
So basically, it was an animatronic robot that Jason had built hooked up to an AI software that had parameters to respond in character. And later we met someone who helped him program it. That guy who did jury duty. Yeah. He did. Oh, yeah. He created jury duty, um, which was great. And he said that you can program personality traits. And one was to make this character, Dale, a little have low self-esteem. Yeah, low self-esteem. So he'd be self-deprecating and whatnot. And so, like, Sharpling was trying to ask him about January 6th. But he's programmed to only know history before, like, 1920. Yeah. So anyway, absolutely awesome. 64th episode. When I'm 64. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) And we're in rocking chairs. Yeah, absolutely. We got to see our uh, pal... Um, famously entitled by his beloved wife, Daphne Javich, Rude Pally. He showed up in New York Magazine this week. Oh, that's nice. With a thing about Noguchi lamps. Oh, yeah. Which is, there's one behind you that's been sort of ripped up. It's taking a beating. Well, they're paper, but still. But it's still, it's... I resent the... Well, your nickname could be Bam Bam from (laughs) Banging Around. You're a basher, but you don't mean to be. I don't know. Have I been d- destroying that lamp, though? I don't know. I if feel been. like you move stuff around and it gets tossed around. It's a fragile lamp to be in the position it's in. Not your fault. Also, thank I'm you. It's st- just trying to have a nice word about rude Pally, and it turned into rude uh, Benny. Me, me getting scolded. Rude Benny. <laughs> um, yesterday was Father's Day, and I bought you a sort of funny boat neck t shirt. I love that t shirt. And, and it reminded me. Uh, I've never really worn anything off the shoulder. You know, and who I was used thinking this could be my moment. Is Robert Downey used to wear a boat neck once in a while? But we were at a friend's, our neighbors are moving, sadly, but we were out there barbecue or whatever pool party and i wasn't used to seeing you with your like chest showing like that and i felt like protective but it it looked good i I think i've like my my chest hair is actually pretty well designed for like just a little tuft showing in a boat neck kind of thing yeah it was good this was a little uh like an extreme version because i think it is a woman's top right (laughs) a a busty lady or yeah yeah. she could yeah, I think it Fill is it meant out a to, little bit. It's I meant to kind of like slip off your shoulder. For yeah. A bit, but <laughs> I had a great Father's Day. You also bought me a book, Burn It Down by Maureen Ryan, Power, Complicity, and a Call for Change in Hollywood. It's a lot of what I'm looking at with the music industry on the other part, the future of being a musician, is just having conversations about the way things are set up systematically that, you know... Are, Need change. Yeah, abusive to people or unfair it's to so people. Good. It's really important to have those conversations. And they say, yeah, knowledge is power. And I think that, of course, it takes too long to change these things when people are still suffering. But there, it's great to pull the curtains open and expose what's happening. And then it might take a long time, but in time, hopefully, there are people who start to absorb the information and learn from it. It does remind me of, of what I think there is going to be a change in reality shows. Like Vanderpump, it seems, this whole thing. Scandival. Yes. And, and the treatment, like when s- sort of Stasi or somebody said, the meaner people are to one another, the better TV it is. And is that okay? And I think people are thinking, yeah, is that okay? Like, No, actually in the book I'm reading, there's a whole section I've just been reading about um, accidents and injury on reality show sets, because they so often have to create conflict in order to get good footage. You did a TikTok after the last Vanderpump reunion where you were just 
basically empathetic towards Raquel. Well, yeah, I mean, I think her behavior was terrible, but I just thought that the slamming of her and not, not looking at why somebody would become that way. Of course, she was behaving terribly, but you know, hopefully she's in therapy where they're like, why were you doing that? Let me play your, let me play your reaction. I'm just saying that Raquel is, was, is young and, and like, I don't want to say the word dumb, but she gets on a show. I feel for her. She gets on a show and she sees all these people on the show who are her new friends who are sleeping with one another Raquel's mother gave her up and she was raised by her aunt. So her self-esteem must be pretty bad. She's kind of like a ditzy innocent and she is is sort of doing what she's sort of learned from these other people. I don't think it's right, but I just am like, I, I just think she's like super naive and I don't know, they shouldn't be like so mean to her. Like Ariana feels bad, but she's, saying horrible things to Raquel, Ariana. I love that take, babe. And I, I feel mean, like- someone th- said I was given up as a kid and I don't have low self-esteem. So I'm like, sorry, <laughs> okay. I was so- half given up myself and I do have low <laughs> self-esteem. But, but I mean, I just think, um, I think it was uh, Julian Lennon wrote something like that also that she was in the, uh, what world is it? The um, Pageant. Pageant world. And that's a competitive world. Yeah. So anyway, it was interesting. I just thought it was like the degree of pushback you got for showing compassion to a character who's being vilified as like America's number one enemy. It just was really indicative to me of like how people don't watch these shows in order to appreciate gray areas or subtleties. They want a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, and but and then when the when the good guy gets to say you're disgusting, you're you know yeah. you're repulsive, <laughs> in such a you know I get it. I mean I get that, and you know diabolical and all of that. That's fine. I've it's not just... heard diabolical thrown around as much as I have this season of Vanderpump Rules. That I word like has that really word. made a comeback. It's a great word, but it's um yeah, you can say it's sort of that thing. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Like Like you could say diabolical with like a friendly lilt. Like well, a Brisbane person. Like, like <laughs> diabolical? That's diabolical. A bit diabolical. I had a funny little piece of um Vanderpump gossip that our friend Courtney J, uh songwriter I posted a little clip from, you know, of Ken Todd saying, um, you know, that the clip where he walks into the kitchen and is like, can you believe that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she wrote, he's my neighbor. I see him every morning walking on the street. He's always so grumpy, but I make him say hi to me. Oh, so there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder why he's grumpy. I mean, growing up in England. It's hard being Ken Todd. It's hard growing up in England, I think. Yeah. People from England are grumpy. That's why they come to L.A. Like um, Steve Jones, he's still grumpy, but he loves being in the sunshine. Maybe he's grumpy because it's so gloomy this Junie. That's true. That's true. That is the real. That is the root cause of Ken Todd's misanthropic behavior. <laughs> Once the sun comes out, he can be like sexy beast. <laughs> Did you like that movie? I loved Sexy Beast. What does he say? Lies the opener. It's cold open. He's it's lying like, in the sun. Wait, is he? I thought he was looking in the mirror. That's also a great oh, that's scene. That's the second scene. No, the first scene is genius. It's that brilliant actor, don't remember his name, but he's lying in, in those little Speedo on um, bathing suit and he's just, and it's a voiceover in his head and he's just, the sun is baking on him because he's in Spain because English people love to go into the sun. He's just like, oh, he's just like the sun. Yeah, he's like fried. Frying and he's just loving the sun. It's so good. Together we're weird, we're weird together. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am excited about tonight's gig that we're having here with Joanna Sternberg. It's finally come. Um, they are on tour of the West Coast. And I was like, why don't we have a little house concert? And Joanna was like, let's do it. So we're inviting a whole bunch of music fans over and can have a little gig in the living room. I've rented a stage. I know. Two feet high. Three feet high and rising. Yes. So that's going to be pretty cool. I love, I do think, I mean, I don't know if it's a, about getting older, but there is something about hearing great music in the comfort of a living room mm-hmm. that is pretty, I don't know, It's, it's it, good. it hits the spot. I hope people, all the ADHD people, don't feel like trapped, like they have to like sit. That is your codependent hostess coming out again. Yep. Where you have people who have willingly chosen to come to an event at a house and you're worried about trapping them. Yeah. I'm worried about them feeling, you know, like, can I get up and get another drink or mm. go to the bathroom? Or, mm. I don't want to be rude. Do you want, should we make an announcement or something? No. That if you have ADHD. You're, it's okay. We don't mind. A, but you, you do have pacing. to show a diagnosis of some kind. Okay. Yeah. Because if you're at a show and the lights aren't on you and you kind of, you, you need to like take a breather and walk around. The, the people on the stage notice, unless it's a giant show, but... No, for sure. Even at giant shows, you, you see notice. people... Oh, yeah. You see people check their phone or get up and walk out during which song to go to the toilet. Well, and... it's not the ring cycle. It's not a seven-hour show. That's right. That's right. That you would know. be amazing, though, if Joanna Sternberg did an interpretation of Wagner's The Ring Cycle at our house. Yeah. Yeah. Is that seven hours? We... I think it was nine. Nine. Think it was we nine. watched it. Yeah, two I mean, settings. not in person. We watched it on a tiny... Totally. I had as, a... A, as a sort of... We got to do this. Let's try it. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. I did a gig last week that I was, it was a a friend of mine, Steve LeBate was like, hey, I'm doing a night downtown at this little bar. And because I'm looking at opportunities to DJ just to get better, I went down and did it. And it was one I was like, before I I actually got up on the stage and started, I was really like second guessing it. I was like, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? There was like, you know, it was like 10 people or 15 people milling around a bar. I was like, but then I got up and started DJing and those people just were right there down the front and loving Loving it. it. And I had the best time. I loved, you have one mashup with Beyonce, um, put a ring, you know. Yeah, with the bluey thing. Like it and the the bluey thing. And one person knew the dances, if you recall the iconic, brilliant video. little finger wagging, hip swinging thing. Where she and her dancers did the dance to... If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. And he knew it all, and it was so fun watching your three fans. Yeah, it was very impressive. Yeah, um, you, you only need three. You I know three. it was yeah. so good, but I think people can sit and figure it out and just sit there. Absolutely. Hey, we got an email. Can I read it to you? Yeah. Fan from London, UK. Enjoy the podcast. Loved your bit about the secret of my success. Did you ever see Bright Lights, Big City? Another 80s classic with Michael J. Fox set in the greed is good New York 80s. Yawal is German, by the way, not Russian. Keep up the good work, you two. Carter Lane. 
Did you ever see Bright Lights, Big City? I feel like that's something you would have like auditioned for or something. Oh, I think it was a tiny bit before. Was it? It Can was kind of like. look it up? Because it's not the Tama, Jam, Tana, Tama Janowitz. Tama Janowitz who did. I remember it as being a bit of a like Michael J. Fox meets less than zero moment. Yeah, yeah. Because it was who 1988. Oh, I would have been. Directed by James Bridges, starring Michael J. Fox, Kiefer Sutherland, Phoebe Cates, Diane Wiest, and Jason Robards. Who wrote- Based on the novel by J. Mc- McKerney. Is that how you say his name? Who? What did he write? He wrote Bright Lights, Big City, uh, Gia, the screenplay for oh, Gia. I'm thinking um, of Slaves of New York. I think that's Tama. Will you look up her name? Do you mind? That's another 80s. It's very hard to show, well, punk and hippie, I find very hard to show. For some reason, 70s, a little easier. As far as like clothes and set decorating. Tama Janowitz did, uh, wrote a short story called Slaves of New York. Yeah. yeah. And I think the story was accurate to the vibe, but then trying to put it in a movie. It is Wait, what era of, was that about? That was. I think early 80s, like oh, okay. when Soho was like a you know, ghost town, but yeah, there's yeah, artists. Yeah. I think it's all that time. Little at post-punk, but still kind of super vibey, artsy, pre-new wavey, you know, but just that whole New York time. Yeah, but gotcha. I never saw that. I so who was in that? Who was in the film? I think it's, uh, funnily enough, like Bernadette Peters or something. Something sort of like, she's a genius, but it was sort of like, yeah, it's hard to do um, edgy in movies sometimes. I saw Bright Lights, Big City because I was a Michael J. Fox fan and it was a little- Because he related it, yeah, to it was a, Yeah, it was a little dark for my tastes oh, at that age. Okay. I was, you know, it was 88, I was 10 years it's old. It's surprising for him to, you were 10 and I was 18. Oh yeah, baby. Um, but <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, from my perspective. Oh no, from your perspective. <laughs> Michael J. Fox doing dark sounds funny because he was so squeaky clean edgy edgy he's a, he was a, he was a secret edgelord what's an edgelord is someone who likes they just pride themselves on saying provocative things oh, okay. and you know i was somewhat of an edgelord myself when i was young i thought it was about you know the sex term. oh edging Mm-mm. towards orgasm and to be a lord of that like what do you have to be is it's like in seinfeld being a master of your domain mm. being a lord of the edge what do you think of the seinfeld uh Oh, the Seinfeld Kesha thing. Okay, so there was, people have probably seen it. There was a year or two back, Kesha, the singer, approached Jerry Seinfeld on a red carpet. Red carpet for a hug, and he basically just denied her and dissed her. And then Tom Sharpling got, got asked her about it on the best show recently, and she was, it was very humane her response she just said it was the saddest day of her life because because i'm similar like seinfeld is such comfort food for me and seeing but i had an interaction with him once that was kind of similar and and it was tricky that i think's in an nda i don't think he's allowed to say i mean take that out but i think he is one of those people who is I don't know if rude is the term, but he's not that concerned with other people's feelings. But his art he made, that show, is such a comforting thing. It's hard to resolve. I guess for some reason that's, you know, obviously his survival mechanism and his personality is like that. And analyzing him, I don't know, both his parents were adopted and who knows what his childhood was like, whatever. Put the persona out in your work 100%. We want Seinfeld to be kind of a dick, sort of almost smiling 
making fun of everybody like better than everybody in a way. And Larry David, of course, but, but in life, you know, I guess, again, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. If he doesn't, if he's germaphobic, I was saying like if Harry Mandel, who's a germaphobe. Harry Mandel? <laughs> what's his name? Have another shot at it. Okay, wait. Picture him. He's bald. I know what he he's looks like. got a thing like. of Purell. Mandel is- Mandel, you're right. You got totally got that right. Don't remember. Come on, give it, just give it a shot. Not Harry? It's not Harry Mandel. Shit, I don't know. Okay, should I give you multiple choice? Yeah. Simon Mandel? No. <laughs> Zach Mandel? No. Or Howie Mandel? Howie. <laughs> well, what did I say? Howard. Harry. Oh, Howie. <laughs> Harry, Harry Mandel. I made him posh. I made him British. <laughs> Instead of Howie. The spare Mandel. Harry. Anyway, if he had said, I don't want to shake your hand. I bet you people come up to him and he would just be like, oh, sorry, I'm a germaphobe. Sorry, I don't hug. I don't touch. Even Howard Stern, who, you know, he doesn't want to shake hands even before people stop shaking hands, whatever. You don't have to be dicky. Like, that's well, I think that's the thing. Carry, I think someone like, pretending to be a dick is actually a much more endearing quality than someone who's pretending to be nice and actually is a dick. And, that, and another level what's interesting about that is that he didn't recognize her fine. To be honest, I don't know if I would. Yeah, I'm I don't an, know oh, if I'd recognize Kesha. Fine. And, but he's assuming she should understand this is my personality. I'm Seinfeld. So I think it also speaks to his giant ego saying... Everyone loves this persona. Do you know what I mean? I hundred percent agree. I could not look. You can't find a bigger Seinfeld fan than me. Growing up, I was obsessed with that show, and I I loved it. And it formed so much of my sense of humor. Because I'm not saying you should let someone hug you. No, but but Seinfeld does have this vibe of a self-appointed gatekeeper, which I really don't like. And that's it's the dark side of that. The comedians in cars getting coffee. There's so much of that I like, but what I don't like about it is the basic premise of this is this successful guy basically patting younger comedians on the head saying, approved, not approved. Yeah. I, I don't like that vibe. And I, I think I think what she got on the red carpet was just to basically, you're not meeting my standards of engagement. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that. I know. It's not cool. You got to be normal, mate. Why can't yeah, he be normal? Just you know, like Harry. You don't need to hug, but just you can quickly usher someone away, but in a way that's not dicky. I want to go back to stir crazy. Oh yeah, we went to. It's this. It's, Off menu, Andy. Of took course. Us. Off menu, Andy He's famously has a list for any city in the world. Really? Don't you remember at his birthday toast? Daphne oh, was like the list, Andy's the list. list, Andy's list. Yeah. So anyway, new addition to Off Menu Andy's list. He's like the, before Before Waze, there was a book called uh, Shortcuts, and it told you all the shortcuts in LA. Ooh. And if you had that book, you knew to go around different streets, and now Waze does it. Well, I guess that's what like um, Village Voice and, you know, different the cut or whatever different you can look yeah, up time out yeah eaterly and they tell but you what's the best. cool about stir crazy was it used to be like an internet coffee shop and yeah, they kept so Andy the same told name us about a cool place and we're like we're there yeah so it's down on melrose and it was absolutely delicious yeah was it was like, great because i like that they kept the name stir crazy was a coffee shop but my first apartment i lived in was right down the street in west hollywood and it used to be like it became the place where you took your laptop and they served ridiculous big corn, you know, embarrassing cups of coffee. Bottomless. Bottomless. And you sat. I mean, I never did that, but I've tried to write 
I tried to write recently in a coffee shop when I had time to kill, and it's not for me. Well, you like to be in almost a complete <laughs> horizontal reclining position. It's really hard to find coffee shops that will accommodate I that. Might, I might now write with these new chairs. How good are these chairs? Yeah. I really do think this is a game changer for Actually, us. Actually, I do. If I, because I am writing a lot, I think I'm going, I mean, not scripts, not scripts. I'm writing something that's not in the... Everyone knows you're writing a memoir. <laughs> I know. So I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I yeah. keep feeling like, am I allowed to write? But um, the, the the ergonomic, the ones where you kneel. Oh, what do you mean? The ones where you like wrap your legs around? They're backless. Yeah. Is that right? good? Is it, I've never sat on one of them, actually. I love when the uh, onion had that thing because people were walking and standing. We You had a standing, standing desk. Standing desk, And yeah. one picture of someone like in fetal position. It was like a fetal under position Under the desk, desk yeah. writing. That's sort of me. Anyway, stir crazy. But I was joking that we would go to this very hip, beautiful restaurant that serves very beautiful small portions. Yeah, gorgeous. I have two jokes. One, <laughs> okay. the portions- I like announcing them before. <laughs> You're not, you're not trusting our ability okay, to perceive first, them. Okay. The beautiful babies at this point are well attuned to particularly your sense of humor. All right. but Trust them. Fall back. Let them catch you. Do a trust fall back. There's a net. I just think we should not read the room and go back to stir crazy as if we think it's still the coffee shop and just rock up with our laptops and our big own famous. big mug and just sit there and ruin the vibe because everyone was so <laughs> chic in there and cool. Also, love it. Okay, the joke portions <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, I had tiny. A, that's what I mean. Yeah, I yeah, said yeah. it was like the Ozembic portion. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. For everybody who can only eat three bites. So that was fun. I'm excited. Uh, next week, there's this record I produced by this duo from Australia. So maybe not next week. Sorry, the thirtieth, which might be in a in ten days. Right. Mm. Uh, there's a duo called McDermott and North, and they're basically buskers. And they're these two guys that have been writing these songs together and harmonizing beautifully and busking. And they opened for me in Brisbane. And I just, I fell in love with it. And I was like, do you come out to LA and let's make, let's make a record. I'll produce it for you. And they just, you know, they're buskers. They just could not afford to make it happen. So instead what we did was they recorded their vocals and guitars, sent it to me. I got the absolute cream of the crop, Joey Warrinker on drums, Roger Manning Jr. on keys and Mike Viola on bass. And I produced this EP for them. It's called the Hollywood EP and it's coming out on Weirder Together Records, baby. Yeah. So WT. it's like it's WT. It's the Weirder Together Empire expands slowly. And it's it's fun because it's we are more and more just thinking of this container as like a funny little production house that can make anything we, we want to make. We can put out the girl who does... Um the beautiful Mexican standards. That's true. We just can't spend any money on anything, basically. So, yes, if things get made, we can put them out. But yeah. That's the, yeah. But it's fun just to be able to support a cool project by young artists. And so I'll, that's going to be out in 10 days. So we'll, okay, whatever. Okay. Nothing else Stop to say. Talking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> are, okay, great. And are you, okay, let's stop. Are you going? Oh, wait, we got to end it. Oh, right. Here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I like, you. What? <laughs> that was cute. You can't really French exit a podcast, <laughs> can you, with no one noticing? No, I it's guess not. deeply intimate. You're in someone's ear holes right now. Mm-hmm. You've got to bid adieu. Oh, you have to know. gracefully leave, backing away. Um, okay. Thank you for listening. What? I love you. Why I just are you keep laughing going. You're at cute. Me. Thank you for listening, beautiful babies. 
Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.